As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm here, so... <laughs> I'm Shea Goodsogs and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat them together? Everybody tells me to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw. Like. <laughs> Howdy, I, I'm a, I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I, I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Oklahoma. <laughs> I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Great. Very good. I like the hat. You bro. like the hat? Yeah. <laughs> Vava, this is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? We uh, have Down to Dunk night in less than a week now. Yeah. Against the San Francisco Spurs. I mean, I feel like it's... I mean, I was excited, certainly, for Chet Wimby. Certainly. But now... I'm like and we'll, I'm, we'll get the court right. Yeah, we get the court. There's so many, cool. so many I'm things to be pumped about for down. I'm going to be that. there. My mom's going to be there. Yeah, Joanne. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be so fun. Um, next Tuesday night, if you are going to come to down to dunk night, meet us at Spark at like 4:45 ish. The game starts at 6:30, so just be aware of that. Uh, so we're going to meet at Spark, just across the street from the arena. At 4.45, little meet and greet. We're going to eat some burgers and fries, and uh, their food is delicious. It's it's very good, so uh, be prepared Looking to like eat. it's going to be 66 and partly sunny. Sounds yeah. pretty nice. Yeah, it should be nice. We should be able to eat outside and inside. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. And then we'll watch the game together, and then we will meet on the court after the game. And I think we'll meet out side of section probably 104 
And they usually give people who are in attendance and like have a ticket, a down to dunk night ticket, a little sticker to go out on the court, and then we'll all go to the court to take a picture, half court shot contest, and it's going to be awesome. So, uh, looking forward to that. And it's against the Spurs, which is just going to be so much fun to watch Wimby and Chet go head to head. They did it once in the preseason, but like the preseason is just not real. And so this. This game will mean something, and it's part of the in-season tournament. You get the cool jerseys. You get the weirdo court. It's going to be awesome. So uh, looking forward it's, to It's a that. national game? National TV game. TNT. Wow. There's just so many things. There's so many layers to why this is going to be an amazing time. So be there. Be square. Uh, okay, Al. The Thunder beat the Hawks on Monday night. Uh, it, they, they played pretty well they're definitely it's an interesting game because you can see the things that they're good at and like the just the firepower that they have as a team was on full display and then like their weaknesses were also on full display they gave up 25 offensive rebounds which they didn't do Franchise record franchise record they they you would think that they would have set the rebound the offensive rebound record last year for an opponent uh no (laughs) It was this. No, it was this year. It's like, oh man! Once we get our seven footer, they. I think they had twenty four once last year. Um, but yeah, twenty five offensive rebounds is a lot, and Mark clearly knows that it's an issue. And I thought we could do something that is just absolutely insane and watch every single one of them, you and me here together with the people here on YouTube, and then. Like, try to, like, actually discuss, like, what the issues are. Because a lot of times you can say, like, oh, they're not physical enough, they're not this, they're not that. But, like, rewatching them, and I've already rewatched them once, but I'd love to just discuss, like, what are the issues and, like, talk about, like, hey, this is a controllable rebound, this was not. And this was luck. Yeah, because, this was I mean, the Mark ball. has even this talked about when you play the way we play, you're giving up certain things mm-hmm. and you're also gaining certain things so we know that they're not going to be an amazing rebounding team yeah it's just they've been so bad i mean even compared to last season where they weren't a good rebounding team but in in some respects they were kind of like average or middle of the pack or just below average um now they're just like bottom of the pack in both offensive and defensive rebounding mm-hmm. and you kind of understand the offensive rebounding because just watching them like every time a shot goes up you see the majority of the players already running back to get on defense mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's only like one guy crashing the boards so you kind of understand that like it's part of their setup but the defensive rebounding is where you feel like they should be better because they were better last year yeah. even with you know not having a, a real center for the entire year they were better than this. Mm-hmm. So this this kind of feels like rock bottom in terms of like their defensive rebound. It can only get better. Can only I don't know better. how it could get much worse. Uh, yeah, they're 29th in offensive and defensive rebounding, 25th in overall rebound percentage. But I think that's just because they they play so many more possessions. Are they uh, teams do? Is 30th? I think is the Wizards for at least one of those. Uh, Zards are in offensive rebound percentage, 30th. And then it's just like really funny to me that the Pelicans are the worst. I know that that is kind of crazy. Defensive rebounding team in the league so far. It just like feels really bizarre. Uh, okay. So I'm going to go through all of these. These are from NBA.com. Um, 
there's some there's some really interesting ones. There's some like very run of the mill offensive rebounds. So let's uh, let's go through these. Here's the first one. As Shea once again quickly going to bounce off of Johnson. That time it had stripped away by Murray, who used to. That was labeled as an offensive rebound per NBA.com. Okay, so we're already down to 24. So obviously not even an offensive rebound. I don't know if that was a. Okay, down to 24. Okay, here's okay. the next one. Always unselfish with the basketball, finding his teammates. Just look at some of the assist numbers as Dante Murray is off as Capella. So that was labeled as an offensive rebound. It was just a tap by Capella that ended up in Isaiah Joe's hands. So also, like, not really an Weird. offensive rebound. So, okay, so 23. So how? <laughs> what if what if we get to the end of this and it turns out they got zero offensive rebounds because <laughs> they were all labeled incorrectly? Yeah, it's it's strange because like some of these they just flat out the Hawks don't even secure them. So like it's weird that they're being counted as offensive rebounds. Like some of these are weird. So like hmm. it's a quote unquote something Andrew franchise record that they gave up. But wow, you know what? We are this is we're this just is re- like revealing truth. Did, did you see the thing on a uh, Twitter? Uh, Cam Thomas was like four of nineteen in a game, and some Nets fan went through everything and started saying, "Okay, well that was a heave, so it was really four of 18. Um, <laughs> This shot, you know, I mean, that's not really. I'm not going to blame him for that. So that's four of eighteen. <laughs> he just like was able to get it down to like four of fourteen, which is still terrible. <laughs> he whittles it up. He was really four of eight. He was great, fifty percent. Uh, all right, like here's, that's what we're going to do today. Okay, here's the next one. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, man. I thought that uh, Clint blocked that ball out. Like he blocked it out of bounds. Yeah. Hunter checks the tape. Can't capitalize because Dejounte Murray streaks in. So this is just like watching the ball, not putting a body on somebody. Like that's a controllable one. That's one where they sit yeah. when they're reviewing film and saying like Dejounte Murray shouldn't just be able to run all the way into the paint to get the offensive board. Like, that's a pretty egregious one. That is controllable by the Thunder. That is the first one that I would say I, controllable by the Thunder. Yeah, so I, and I feel like that and another one, another type of one that we'll get to mm-hmm. are like the two most common. Yeah. Because um, there were a lot of times, I don't know if in, in that clip particularly, but, but you can like screenshot it when the ball hits the rim and there's like four Thunder players in the paint. Yeah. But there's a Hawks player just streaking in from the three-point line and just goes in uncontested. Yeah. I think that that is a very common thing that I have seen watching these early games. And that does feel like something that could be fixed. Yeah. Just stopping them, just impeding them in any way. Putting a body everything. on somebody, recognizing like where everybody is and like not because yeah. they just are standing there like upright, just hoping the ball bounces to them. just watching it and just, yeah, like that's, that's, that's controllable. And, that's fixed. And obviously, He's huge and he's amazing, but like that was one of the things that Steven Adams was so good at. Yeah. And one of the reasons why his rebounding numbers were never as high as you thought they should be because it was team rebounding. Like, yeah. He was making sure that everything was clear so that somebody else, usually Russ, yes. could go in there and get the rebound. Yeah. He was always ready to put a body on somebody. All right. Next one. For the Thunder. Held the Hawks in just 39 points here in the first half. Turnaround shot, no good. Johnson streaks in way too strong on the put. Yeah, just yeah, another so the one. Fir- the first one, another example. You have Jalen Johnson, I think, in this kind of time. Yeah. Streaking in from the three-point. No one's – it would probably be Dort who would need to be paying attention to him. The second one with Capella, if that counts as a second one, 
you know, there are some where it's like, yeah, you have Clint Compella going up against SGA and Dort. Like he's going to get a lot of those rebounds. Yeah. Those are the ones where like you're willing to let to understand it. You know, yeah. because yeah, this is this is the downside of playing this these types of lineups. Sometimes you're gonna get a matchup with Capella on a guy who's, you know, six five or six six. He's going to easily get a rebound. But the one where the guys are just streaking in and no one's botting them up, those are definitely correctable. Yeah, that that was another one where it's like you they shouldn't be able to run in from the three point line or DeJounte was really like running in transition all the way back in. Like those those are controllable. They should be able to figure those out. Baseline. That three point attempt. Matthews way off. Offensive rebound by Bay. So this is just I think that was one. Yeah, go ahead. Was that was that the one where I just missed it at the beginning, but I think Giddy is on Sadiq Bay. Yeah. And he is technically boxing him out, and Sadiq just pushes him, not in like a foul way, but just like bigger and stronger. Yeah, that's what Just moves again. him out of the way. So. Baseline. That three-point attempt. Matthews way off. Offensive rebound by Bay. Again, it's like it's a um you see you've I've seen this a lot in these clips so far, where this is Sadiq Bay rebounding um over giddy he does push him a little bit but a lot of it is like giddy is not like standing in like a box out position he's standing upright in front of him he's not boxing him out yeah like when he, he pushes standing him up straight he moves so easily yeah you know it's not like a big like Whoa. it's because he doesn't no, have he's... a wide because he doesn't have a wide base and he's like not putting his body into bay like bay is able to yeah. just like and it, you could they could have called an offensive foul on bay there but like he just he just kind of like shoves him a little bit. He's moved and he gets the ball. And and Sadiq Bay is like crazy strong too. Yeah, he's very. But big. yeah, but that's like that's a. I would say that's a fourth f- offensive rebound. That's like okay, like that shouldn't they they can control. Okay, that. minus the fake two, and then four that they can correct. We're down to eighteen, Andrew. We're down to eighteen. Let's go. Let's go. Young took a peek at the shot clock. Bounces off of Wiggins, who stays down nicely, but there is Bogdanovich again from the outside. Had a clean look. Bay with the loose ball. That- this is like this is this is one. I'm coaching a 12U basketball team right now, and like this one is just a like a coach's nightmare. Where Bay is like standing there all alone, just waiting, and Wiggs is on one side, Isaiah Joe's on the other side. And there's nobody boxing out Sadiq Bay. <laughs> like that's just that one was bad. Like that that or was a bad like one. Or even like an attempt to contest the rebound once it's in the air. Like they just yeah. are flat-footed, just waiting for him to get it, and then they're going to try to defend. Him. Yeah, and, and like a, a theme so far with the offensive rebounding that's happening with the Hawks is like they're just ready, and the Thunder are not. Like the Thunder are yeah. not ready to defensive rebound, and it's not. The, the, what I've seen so far is not a. Oh my gosh, the Thunder are not big enough. They don't have like there are so many of those. And there and there are going to be some in here later where we see Capella and Akongwu who can just flat out yeah. rebound better than our guys. But the ones that go to DeJounte Murray, Sadiq Bay, like those guys, like they it's just a matter of like getting a body on somebody and being in position. Like th- those are that's the problems that I've seen so far. And we'll get to some where it's like, oh yeah. Like they they weren't gonna get that anyways, but uh, all right, next one. He can't finish. Here comes- that is not that. Okay. You want that to continue in the fourth quarter. That, and also, you know, you got a guy, the Jonathan Murray, who's also, you know, struggling a little bit. 
Yeah, that that is one where it's like that's just really good positioning. I think that was Okongwu. Yeah, it was Okongwu. You had good positioning on Chet. Was in great position to get that rebound. Yeah, like yeah, like I, I, physically not as moved bad as Chet out of the way. Like literally, Chet fell to the ground in this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's watch it again. You want that to continue in the fourth quarter. And, that, and also, you know, you got a guy, DeJounte Murray, who's also, you know, struggling a little bit. I don't even quite understand why he fell to the ground. I don't either. Okongwu was, like, blocking off both Chet and J-Dub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that one is, like, you're going to give that up, and you feel you feel fine about that. Like, these guys are just bigger. Like, Okongwu is, he's not, like, obviously, like super tall. But he's just strong, physical player, and like that's not necessarily within your control. You could be a little bit more physical. This is where a guy like Kenrich would come in handy. Like Kenrich mm-hmm. would not let him do that, and like they they need Kenrich. You know they've they've needed him this whole time. I think he would have helped in a lot of ways. But yeah, that's one where I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's one where the Thunder are just gonna give it up. Young speed at the step, no Kongwu. Fucking reset, but it's going to be a travel. I said, no, I just see, honestly, a lot of Josh Giddy not putting a body on somebody. And, like, that's the thing that Giddy is, has been good at in the past, is, like, using his physicality as a rebounder. And it was, I thought, very good at it last year. That I haven't seen him quite as engaged so far this season. I don't know if it's just, like, a... He, he he mentally seems like he's having a or he is having a slow start um but it's um i think it's just really interesting you know how we see a lot of just like giddy standing fly-footed in a lot of these and i think it's like those fixable not necessarily that he was going to stop a kongwu there but you just want to see a little bit more effort there but from I, him i also think it highlights how important giddy is to playing this way yeah, because one of the reasons you can get away with it, even if they're not an amazing rebounding team, but just if they're like average or slightly below average, the reason you can get away with it is because Josh Giddy in his first two seasons was elite for his position at rebounding, mm-hmm. and that has just not been the case to start this season. And we're gonna go through some Giddy stats later, mostly talking about his offense, but I think that has actually been the most disappointing aspect because. We've seen him get off to slow starts. What we saw it last year, mm-hmm. um, getting benched in the fourth quarter and things like that. But something like defensive rebounding is just something that he had been so good at mm-hmm. previously. You almost weren't even. I mean, we weren't even talking about it going into the season. Like, yeah, we were talking about his issues with driving and can he get to the line, all that stuff, and that's still an issue. And we're going to talk about it. Yeah, but we we weren't even thinking of the defensive rebounding because it seemed like, oh, this is just what he is. Yeah, he's an elite round rebounder for his position, mm-hmm. and when that just suddenly vanishes, just goes away, it becomes a huge issue for this lineup because he should be theoretically the best or second best rebounder on the floor whenever he's out there, based on who who is on this roster. No question, and. I'm honestly like kind of encouraged from and like seeing some of these because I I just think they can be better. Like they like so far, like the ones that we've gone through, there's just like a handful where I just think like, yeah, they they were they were not gonna get that board. There are others where it's like, yeah, like they are like effort away from getting rebounds. <laughs> you know, like just a, a little bit of effort here and there, which I think they can do and I think they will do. I I 
I assume that they have gone through an exercise where Mark embarrassingly points out a lot of these to them, and like they'll get it together, and they need to against Cleveland. Certainly, with Jared Allen's back, they play Cleveland without Jared Allen uh, the first time around uh, and had the miraculous win. But they're gonna have to bring it more than they did against Atlanta, even though they like they won against Atlanta. It was good. Like it's a good, really good win. I mean, Atlanta's been good this year, and they've had a lot of really solid wins so far. And they, but their Thunder are gonna have to bring it a little bit more. And the thing that's interesting is like they are bringing it at the point of attack defense very well. Like you have SGA, I thought was awesome defensively against the Hawks. Dort's obviously bringing it every time. Kaysen Wallace is really good. I think J-Dub is good. Like, they really bring it there at the point of attack, and it's really <laughs> tough. Not. Get, got Giddy's not. Giddy's not, but he's not even asked to be the point of attack defender. I know, but he there were so many plays in that Hawks game where he's just standing straight up, and DeJounte Murray's just blowing by him, or DeAndre <laughs> Hunter's blowing by him. Yeah. Like, giving zero resistance. There's a lot of standing upright. Yes. There is a lot of that, which is correctable. Like those are cor- correctable. If if like in these clips, if we're seeing Giddy battling and he's just it's just not working, I might be a little bit more worried. Like oh no, like like he's he's like giving all he's got and they give up twenty five offensive rebounds. Like that's just not the case. Like you, you, I so far I think like they can they can do better. All right, here's the next one. Young speed at the step. No, Kongwu. Already did that one. Next one. Always unselfish with the basketball, finding his teammates. Just look at some of the assist numbers as Dante Murray is off. As Capella just taps it over Isaiah. So we're here to fake like one. Yeah, another fake one where they don't they don't even secure it, but they give them the offensive rebound just because Capella's tapping it. And I think we're into the Capella ones now. These are all like separated by player. Um, all right, next one. Young took a peek at the shot clock. Bounces off of Wiggins, who stays down nicely, but there is Bogdanovich again from the outside. Had a clean look. Bay with the loose ball. That- so this is, you see Capella. Like Chet is doing all he can to box out Capella. He's like pushing him, but Capella is clearly gaining ground on him as he's pushing Chet forward, which kind of leads to like him tapping the ball off and then eventually it ending up in uh, Jalen Johnson's hands. So, that one is like, yeah, you're going to give up those, in my opinion. Like, that's just Capella getting a hand on it, causing a little bit of chaos, and the ball just ends up, you know, with Jalen Johnson there at the end. I'm actually uh, glad. Oh, uh, we have a breaking news alert, Andrew. What breaking is that? news alert, down to dunk specific. We have a new t shirt now available. As of right now. As of right now. As of right now on the down to dunk. Oh, it's available Shopify now. Shopify link. Well, I'm clicking on it right now. It is there. Wow. For $33. You know what? Why don't I share my screen? Andrew? I was going to say, share your screen. This is, a, this is a great little interlude here. All right. This is very exciting. Very exciting. Share screen. Window. For the first time... You are getting to see our new shirt, the Slob <laughs> Wizard shirt. And I will try to zoom in on that Look design. at that beautiful shirt. Wow. Look at that. 
We have uh, this is very exciting. Been working on this behind the scenes for a little bit, and uh, here it is. Go get yourself a slob wizard shirt. Um, I really, it looks like a shirt that Jada would wear. So I'm really gonna do whatever I can to get one of these shirts in his hands because I feel very like exciting. I feel like he would really like it. Uh, yeah, go get yourself a Slob Wizard shirt. You can go to the Down to Dunk Twitter account, and the Shopify link is in our biography. So go check that out. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, okay. Oh, crap. I've got so many of these in here, and I don't know which is the last one I clicked on. No. Let's see. Young took a peek at the shot clock. Bounces off of Wiggins, who stays down. We just watched that one. Again, we got to see Capella pushing Chet <laughs> under the rim as far as he could. Everything was finished. Yeah, Capella hand checked it all the way to the basket. Quick trigger three. That one, and it doesn't finish the play, but I remember watching it, and it was everybody watching the ball bounce like three times to get out of bounds. And Trey Young yeah. just whips over there and just grabs it. Like, do you remember that one in the game? Yeah, yeah watching yeah. the game. That one was just a weird one, where it's just like, like, where's the? I think everyone thought it was just going out of bounds. Yeah, and so they didn't chase after it. And Trey was like, "Well, I guess I'll go get it." <laughs> yeah, that's like one that I just kind of flushed down the toilet a little bit. Like, okay, like that's just a weird one. Reese on the defensive end. Young still working with the basketball. Finally passes over to Johnson. Johnson pops into that little mid-range shot. Dejounte Murray, second effort, that three rattles in. That was one I remembered because it, you can screenshot it, and there are four Thunder players in good position to rebound, yeah. mm-hmm. and they kind of just got unlucky because it took a huge bounce. Huge bounce. And J- Jalen Johnson, who shot the ball, was actually able to take a step back mm-hmm. and able to get the rebound. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of those where it was just super long rebounds, and, and what, like, what are you going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, what can you do? Like that is It's not, not a, a guy rushing in. Yes, that's not a Thunder problem. That's just a bounce of the ball. You know, yeah. like That's not any big deal. David Williams been all over the Jante Murray throughout this game. Going up against two 20-point scores, and that'll be a travel on Capella. That's just Capella. Capella is strong. He's bigger than Josh Giddy. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that was an Josh effort problem. Physical, I don't. But yeah, yeah, that's that's not an effort problem. That's not anything. That's just Clint Capella just being a better rebounder, <laughs> like just flat out. And they did force him into a travel. He did travel. They got no points. That's the thing. They only had 19 points off of what were 25 offensive rebounds that we know. Like it wasn't really 25 offensive rebounds. Yeah, like we're watching it right here, and it's just not it. Uh, okay, we're all. You know, I'm I'm glad we're doing this because I went back and rewatched this game, mm-hmm. and I did not come away feeling like, man, they just got manhandled on the boards. Yeah, it it did not feel that way rewatching it. I was going in expecting like, man, I don't really remember it, but they must have just get, been getting beasted on the boards. Yeah, and it, and watching it just kind of feels like a normal game yeah and now that we're seeing what was counted as an offensive rebound it makes a little bit more sense yeah yeah for sure went through his hands like a defensive back hunter spots up knew he was gonna miss it offensive re- yeah just another like long rebound taking a lot of threes long rebounds they're gonna get it the the hawks are actually one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the nba like they were before the before that game too and obviously i haven't looked at the number i'll look at it in a second but that number had to have gone up from from where it was. Uh, okay, uh, I think we have like five more. Bogdanovich 
No. Finally, the Thunder able to consolidate. Again, no, Okongwu gets a hand on the ball. Okongwu crashes the boards, gets a hand on the ball, doesn't secure it. It goes to Giddy. Giddy gets the ball. That's not an offensive rebound. But it was but counted like as an offensive of those. rebound. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? It is really weird. Yeah, I mean, I would not label that as an offensive rebound. Like, a rebound is like securing the ball. Yeah. You know, Torian Prince told us after that Baylor game, like, what a rebound is. You know, like, that's not what a rebound is. Uh, okay, three more. And some of them have led to free throws. Trey Young all of a sudden playing with a ton of space and speed. Here he is again. Getting downhill, missed it that time, but Okongwu underneath and the put back by Onyeka Okongwu. God, and that was a, that one was just like physicality. Like Onyeka Okongwu was going to get that board. And because yeah, that was thunder, a really impressive play by him. Because the Thunder are not stout down low. Like he was just going to go get it. And he was just a wrecking ball. And got the and got the rebound and put back. And that was a that was a crucial point in the game. Two minutes left, five point game. You thought to yourself, "Whoa, like like were they gonna just like fart this game away?" Like I don't know. Um, luckily, they did not. Uh, okay, two more. So controlling the pace of this game, gonna look to continue that here in the second half. All right, thank you, Paris. And so many of those shots that another like long rebound, just like right into. Capella's hands, like not an effort thing. They were in good position. It just happened. And the last baseline. That three-point attempt. Matthews way off. Offensive rebound by. We've already seen that one. Somehow that got labeled as something else. Okay, so I walk away from this little exercise, thinking: there is rebounding a problem. Yes, it is a problem. We're are there fixable problems within what happened in the Hawks game? Absolutely. I think a lot of it's positioning. There's a few effort, effortless plays from the Thunder that certainly bounced a little bit more toward the Hawks, but the Hawks were also like in position and ready to take advantage of the Thunder, where it did not seem like the Thunder were ready. And so those are issues that can be cleaned up some of them weren't off of offensive rebounds at all, where they were just tipped and secured by the Thunder. Tipped by the Hawks, secured by the Thunder. Not an offensive rebound. So, does twenty five? the 25, when you look at the box score, looks terrible. It looks awful. Um, however, watching those, I don't feel quite as bad. And there were a few, there were maybe like four effort plays where I was like, yeah, the Thunder like really screwed that up. And they can clean that up. And then there were another like six or seven. Maybe there were 10 that were just like, yeah, that this is a personnel issue for the Thunder. But like you can give up 10 off of offensive rebounds a game and be fine. You can give up 12. I mean, heck, the Thunder gave up 25, 25, and still won the game. But, you know, as we saw, not really exactly what you would think when you would – what you would think to see when you when you look at twenty five offensive rebounds? Yeah, I, th- I think the other thing um, I mentioned there were like two main things that I've seen this season. One of them is just these guys running in from the perimeter and not getting boxed out. Another one is that Chet is so involved in rim protection, he tends to not be as involved in defensive rebounding be- on those plays like when he's blocking someone and the other th- great thing about Chet and by the way thinking basketball did a like a 10 minute video on Chet mm-hmm. that they released last night on YouTube 
And one of the things he brought up was that Chet tends to keep the ball in bounds when he blocks a shot. Yeah. And so a lot of times when he's blocking a shot, the ball is staying in bounds and it almost feels like the other players haven't adjusted to that yet mm-hmm. where last season they kind of knew like if Jay Will's at the five, like he's not going to be able to be some amazing rim protector. So we all kind of have to crash the boards now. Like you do have that protection behind you, yep. but once Chet blocks that shot, like he's probably not in a position to get the rebound every single time. And so he needs more help there. And that's where, you know, Giddy or, or Dort or whoever else is on the court can help him out a little bit more. Because I, I do think, especially Giddy, like he has been so elite at rebounding. And if he just gets back to just normal for him, yeah, you know, like I, I, last year, he rebounded the ball 17 times against the Lakers. <laughs> against the Lakers. He had a game against the Lakers with 17 yeah. rebounds. Like this guy is incredible mm-hmm. as a rebounder. I'm not asking him to do that. You know, if he can just get back to where he was last year, I think all a lot of this will work itself out. I agree. Because he does really play an important role on that side of the ball when it comes to defensive rebounding. Yeah. I mean, we can we can talk about his issues like trying to guard guys on the perimeter, but he really does offer this team something important when it comes to defensive rebounding. And he just got he just has to get back to where he was. You know, mm-hmm. we're not asking him to do something he ha- he hasn't done before or that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I, I think he will. I, I just I just think it's it's going to get better for him. I just have to believe that the world. Yeah, he's he's averaging six per game so far through these seven games, and I I just think that number is going to have to be better. I mean, he's seven point nine last year, seven point eight his rookie season. I think he needs to be he needs to be at eight. You know, like I think he needs to be at eight. He's a full rebound less. You know, right now on the defensive end than he was last year. I just think that number is going to get better, so I'm I'm really not even that concerned about it. Like I do, I, they're going to not be a good rebounding team, and they have given that up in favor of playing with pace and playing more positionless. And I'm kind of in favor of it, especially with a young team. Like you, like might as well try to do something like very different. And I think that they just need a chance to get a little better and Giddy will get better. Like this is not where Josh Giddy is going to land as a as a player. He just hasn't had a great start. I'm not concerned about it. His his free throw attempts are actually at a career low right now per game. I think that will get better. I think he's going to get better. I just you can I just am unconcerned with it. I think he he's going to be fine. I uh, I posted on uh Twitter yesterday. I was looking at Dort's DPM, mm-hmm. which an all-in-one stat, because um, it, it's definitely reflecting like his recent improvements. Yeah, which I think. But as I was doing that, I was looking at Giddy's and the just the shape of Giddy's progression is very funny, and I, I'm going to share it on the screen. It just has this like very obvious like peak and trough. Uh, if if you can you share? Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's just like you can clearly see when last season started. Yeah, you can see what's happening right now. Yep, and I think the hope is that we have another one of those upticks, and hopefully, it's higher than the peak was last season. Which you know, like post All Star break, Josh Giddy was very good. Yeah, and that was the best he had played in his career based on this stat, and I think based on just the eye test. And so, you hope that once he bounces out of this that he is able to get to a new high mm-hmm. for him. 
Um, but I just thought the shape of his was very funny because like Dort was the opposite. Dort has basically been flatlined for the last three years. <laughs> and then he a huge uptick um, starting off this season. So it's kind of fun to, to track the player's progress. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share a few stats, mm-hmm. starting with some positives. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick, quick note on Dort. Uh, Dort, 20% of his shots are corner threes. Shout out to Dort. 20%. Last three seasons, that number was 11%, 8%, and 8%. Yep. 20% now are corner yeah. threes. That is awesome. He's shooting 50% on those corner threes right now. This was exciting to me, though, because there was a play last night where Dort drove it. And, you know, we've, we've seen what Dort does on drives. Um, we've, we've seen some, you know, terrible attempts. But he passed it, and it was a really good pass. So... First of all, just his drives per game the last three seasons, 10.5, 9.4, this year 4.7. He's cut his drives in half. What percentage of the time on those drives is he passing the ball? The last three seasons, 44.2%, 46%, 55% this season. Wow. So on 55% of his drives, he is passing the ball, and he's driving it half as much as he has in the past. Wow. I think he's making such better decisions with the ball. And he's finally, I feel like, in a position to succeed. Like we, he, These last couple of years, we kind of were exploring Dort. Like, let's see what Dort can do. I feel like he is finally in like the perfect role for him. I feel similarly about Cason Wallace. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that he, he can't be more than this role, but he is in such a position to succeed right now. He... In comparison to Dort, I said 20% of Dort shots are corner threes. 27% of Kaysen shots are corner threes, and he's shooting 67% on those, which is <laughs> incredible. Um, he had a few really nice defensive plays against the Hawks where his anticipation with his back to the ball, like where he's guarding Trey and someone is passing the ball back to Trey, and they're doing it because they think that Kaysen doesn't know because he's not even facing the ball, and yeah. he was able to like, put out his hand and get a steal and get a dunk that happened twice in that game and uh yeah i just think he is in like such a perfect role for a rookie right now He's and that's so why good. the shooting is probably is well it's not sustainable he would be the greatest shooter of all time <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do yeah. feel like the way he's succeeding right now is sustainable for the rest of this season yeah, like I don't expect a rookie wall with him in the same way that i might with another player just because the things he's being asked to do I just think he's already good at. He's already fitting into that role so perfectly. Now, eventually, they're probably going to ask him to do more just to see, like, what is the upside, whether that's playmaking or self-creation. We're probably going to get more and more of that sprinkled in as we go. Mm-hmm. But for where he is right now, I just think he is in an absolutely perfect role. Yeah, he's he's really good. He's really, really smart. That's something that Mark keeps touching on is his intellect and how he just picks up on things so easily that he feels like he can just throw him into any situation, that he can play him as a power forward offensively, that he can play him as the point guard. He can put him all over the court. I mean, he's had some really tough defensive assignments so far, and he's being trusted with those. I mean, it's been really interesting that they've been able to work him in because there's, there's several rookies that just, like, don't get to play at all. You know, like Jairus Walker yeah, was like- somebody that I thought would – play a lot of Taylor Hendricks Taylor Hendricks doesn't play doesn't play at all Anthony Black has played some mostly um, because of injury though because most yeah mostly because yeah not as like intention where with Kaysen 
I mean, he is one of the two guaranteed guys off the bench so far this season yeah. where he's going to play. And that's that's been pretty interesting. Yeah, Anthony Black has played in five games, um, five of the seven games for for Orlando. So he's averaging six, two, and one. He's playing pretty well so far, too. But, yeah, some of these guys just don't aren't even getting an opportunity to play which is really interesting, guys in the top 10. Um, so that's kind of fascinating. He's, he, de- he, doesn't have, he has a small role, but he's playing a lot of minutes, and he is impactful in those minutes. Yeah, Kobe Bufkin, uh, Gregory Castillo in the uh, chat. Bufkin mm. also um, broke his thumb, fractured his thumb. So he's, he's out for a minute, so... That also just feels like such a hard rotation to break into because, like, they're barely playing AJ Griffin. They're not. I mean, he didn't play at all the other night. Yeah, he didn't play in the OKC game, but like, even in their previous games, I think he was averaging like ten minutes a game. So if he's not getting minutes, like Kobe doesn't have a shot. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's kind of bizarre what's going on in Atlanta. And they've had a nice start to their season, but looking at, I mean, like Garrison Matthews played. <laughs> You know, like what's what's going on here? Like why is uh, Gary Bird? Yeah, Gary Bird. What's going? What's what's going on here? I mean, AJ Griffin has played forty five minutes in five games. He sat. He hadn't played at all in two of their games. I mean, that's just strange to me. And yeah, I mean, Sadiq Bay. Obviously, they favor him over Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay is also like four years older than him. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's some weirdness going on. Trey Young was really weird in that game, and has been. Dude, all he, he was. He was his shot selection against the Thunder, and give the Thunder some credit for like putting him in those positions. But his shot selection was off. His passing was off. He had a couple passes that were just turn like just thrown out of bounds. Yeah, like, what turnovers. Yeah, unclear what he was even mm-hmm. thinking on the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a tough one because he's so he is good. He's a very good yeah, NBA good. player. Yeah, but for the role that he's in, which on most teams is going to be like the number one guy. He's very far down that list for me. Like, oh yeah, acknowledging I acknowledge that he's like a great NBA player, but if I'm picking who I want to be the number one guy on my team, he is so far down on that list. Yeah, I'd trade him. Guys, I would trade him. You would trade him, Andrew. I would trade him. Yeah. You know, he's you shooting, know, I said you know, shooting thirty three percent from the field this season so far. Thirty three percent from the field. No, isn't that crazy? Oh wait! You, oh, I thought you were making me guess that. Which, that's Trey. Yeah, Trey. Oh wow, thirty-three percent. That's I mean, not good. I mean, he's never been like a been great from the field. He's forty-two percent last year. Like he's obviously going to be yeah. better than this. But it, it seems like he and Quinn Snyder don't quite see eye to eye on some things quite yet. Is the way that it seems to me. Because Quinn pregame, we talked to him, and he's like. He's talking about how weird it is because this team has been together for you know some time. It's like some of the mostly some of the same guys, but he's like we're having to like learn each other. And like I think it seems like what he means by that is like they're having to learn how I want them to do things and having to like unlearn the ways that they have played in the past. And yeah. to me, that is almost like screaming like this is about Trey Young. <laughs> You know, because yeah. like, who else would that be about? And he's, he's, I mean, he's still scoring 21 points per game because he's taking 17 shots, but um, it's interesting. 
It's certainly. I kind of like the Hawks. The the jump that Jalen Johnson has made makes their team look so much better just overall. Yeah. Because now you start looking across the board and it's like, wow, they do really do have some like nice young pieces with yeah. like Okongwu and Jalen Johnson. Now we, st- I think we still both really like AJ Griffin. He'll eventually probably get in the rotation at some point. You would think like they, they really do. Ha- they are set up well. It's just a matter of like, is Trey going to be that guy for the next five years? Cause I think their surrounding pieces are good. Yeah. I think you could get something really nice for Trey. Slide in Buffkin. Let's go. Buffkin boys. Slide in Buffkin. Okay. You want to hear some of the what? Uh, You want to hear some of these giddy stats? Uh, Yeah. Let's take a quick break and then let's hear some giddy stats. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And we're back after the quick break. It's time for some giddy stats. Um, so as we mentioned, Giddy's not having the greatest start to the season. Um, so I just wanted to dig in and see like, what is it specifically that he's been struggling with? And, you know, just eye test, it feels like his drives against a set defense versus him either in transition or coming off a screen. It's just a totally different game. And when he's driving to the rim against a set defense, good things happen so rarely because you know he's not like the most explosive guy and a lot of times i feel like if chet is anywhere near the rim like in the dunker spot the the drive has zero chance of succeeding for giddy because capella was just camping out and just waiting 
for Giddy. There were so many drives against the Hawks where Capella's just sitting back, just waiting for Giddy to come to him. And Giddy is, you know, focused on like his defender, who maybe he does get by or he has like a step on, but it doesn't matter because Capella's right there. On the other hand, there was at least one drive where Chet was stretched out to the three-point line, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it was so much easier for Giddy to get to the rim. So I do think that's a component to it. But the good news is that 47% of his shots are coming at the rim this season, which is the highest of his career. Mm-hmm. Like He is getting to the rim mm-hmm. more than he's ever gotten before. The problem is he's shooting 50% on those rim attempts right now, which obviously would be the lowest of his career. Dort and levels. I think Dort level. And when you watch, you know, you can just go on NBA.com and watch his, his attempts last night. Mm-hmm. There are just so many where you can screenshot it and there are like three or four Hawks in the paint collapsing on Josh Giddy mm-hmm. for some reason. And this mm-hmm. is a guy who's we all think is like one of the best passers in the league. Yeah. No I mean, question. he's an incredible passer. No question. And on so many of those plays, it feels like there are Thunder players who are either wide open for three that he could hit or guys who are cutting in. And I feel like two years ago, he was hitting so much more of those those cutters. Like when he would attract that kind of attention on a drive, he would have a lot of these like dump off passes that would lead to a, you know an easy attempt. And as an example of that, you know I mentioned with Dort, the percentage of his drives where he's passing has been going up and up and up. Now now it's at fifty five percent. It's the complete opposite with Josh. So two years ago, his rookie season, basically, well, first I should mention that he's had the same number of drives per game since his rookie season, about twelve drives per game. His rookie season, he was passing on 50% of his drives. Yeah. Last year, it was down to 39%. This year, it's down to 32%. And the Hawks game was uniquely uh, bad in that instance in that he only passed on 15% of his drives. That number keeps going down, and I think it's taking away from something that he's like really good at. I think there are opportunities there for him on some of these plays to do some really creative passes that he did two years ago that he's not doing as much now. And I'm sure part of that is what he talked about in the offseason. Like, he not only wants to get to the rim more, but he specifically wants to get to the rim so that he can get to the line. Mm -hmm. And so there is an element to it where I feel like he's almost forcing it on some of these drives sure, because he just wants to get to the line. And he's getting a lot of contact, but he's not getting the calls. I mean, I think he's had nine free throws through these first seven games. Yeah, he's getting no calls. And he's you know, he's getting hammered on some of these drives too. And like he, he is. He, I and I, it feels to me like a this happens every single year in the NBA where there's like a point of emphasis for the officials where like they will go I don't know, 20 games or 10 games or whatever into the season and like hit these points of emphasis and then they will just slowly revert back to the way that things were last season. And one of those just seems to be foul calls. It's like there's just not enough foul calls. I mean, you look at not only Giddy, who's not getting foul calls, I mean, SGA. I mean, I asked him about it after the game, and like they, he and J-Dub uh, were at the podium together, and it was just like they just don't really have an explanation. I mean, he's Shea's half of what he was last year. Half. Yeah. He's at five. What I believe is the same number of drives, if not more. Yeah, he is leading the league in drives again and getting five per game. And there are a lot of opportunities for them to blow the whistle. And so I just have to believe that's going to turn around at some point, not only for Shea, but for Josh as well. Because you look at like the free throw attempts 
I mean, it's Shay, Chet, J-Dub, Dort, Bertans in his one game. <laughs> got fouled on a three-point shot. Isaiah Joe, Jay Will, Olivier Saar, and then Giddy at 1.3. Bring in 1.3. Which, is, when you look at the drive numbers, it, that's like unbelievable. Because yeah, it, it Giddy's is still so, driving 12 times a game. And he's still getting hit. So I, I just have to believe that that's going to change. That that is is going to turn around at some point. Because like, you can tell that those guys are pretty frustrated by it. Because I, I, I think my question was something like, you guys are both to J-Dub and to Shay. Like, you guys are both still driving a lot. Like, does the contact feel different? Like, does like is there something that feels different from last year as to why you guys are not getting to the free throw line? And they both just kind of like smiled and looked at each other. And they're like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. we, we don't know why. Um, yeah, so for, for Giddy, like, I think if he's going to succeed on some of these drives, one, I think he he always looks better when he's coming off a screen mm-hmm. or can get downhill before the defender can, you know, just get ready for him. Because um, he, he had a play like that, I think, against DeJounte Murray, mm-hmm. where it was, it was like a dribble handoff or something, but he was able to get a step on DeJounte Murray and it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like him on those types of plays. And maybe that means, you know, doing some more pick and roll with Chet because if you can bring Chet man up and then you have Chet as this outlet shooting from three either you're going to get a great shot from Chet or that def- that center is going to be pulled out and it's going to be easier for Josh mm-hmm. I just think that the rim attempts he's taking right now are so difficult yeah I mean he's going up against like two three defenders every single time yeah. on a lot of these it's just not going to work out yeah. it's not sustainable mm-hmm. and I know he's just trying you know he's trying to develop this game that is allows him to get to the line because that is a super important part of his game going forward. Yeah. But they just haven't either been good by design or it's just him getting tunnel vision on some of these drives. Yeah. I think he'll work. I think this will work itself out. I mean, you even look at his assist percentage overall. 32% is rookie season, 29% last year, 21% this year. Yeah. I mean, like he's it's going to be better than that because the he's still trying to figure out like who he is as a player period because he's still only 21 years old like he's very young but i think eventually he's going to settle into like being the ultimate connector on this team with all these weapons and we haven't really seen that yet you know they've tried to do that some when they played zone they'll put him in the middle of the zone and try to get him to pick apart guys and he has you know struggled a little bit he's just struggled overall and he's also just such a rhythmic player and he is clearly just kind of out of rhythm right now. And so it feels big, like it feels like like a big issue. But the truth is, if this was like game 50 to 57, I don't think we'd be quite as worried about it, you know, as we are, you know, games one through seven, you know. Like these blips happen all the time. Like he's not like suddenly not a good NBA player. Like I, I just think he's going to turn this around and figure it out. And he's going to have some weeks where he's really, really good and some stretches where he's really good and some stretches where he looks like this again. And that's because he's a young player. And young players, like the difference between like a vet and a young player is like vets know how to do the thing consistently. Like here are the things I'm good at and here I'm and I'm going to do them consistently. And Josh is going to get there. But like you can't can't fast forward the lessons of life. You know, you can't fast forward through like these early years with the Thunder just, you know, thinking that they can just 
become more consistent. They're still outrageously young. And like, these are some of the lumps I have to take. And luckily, like they still, I, I feel like we're talking a little negative today, but like the, they still won that game against the Hawks. Like that's a big win and they kind of needed it. I remember I sat down next to Brandon Rabar and was just like, I kind of think they have to win this game tonight. <laughs> like if they're going to be a good team this year, you have to go beat Atlanta because the schedule does not soften up. Like they play Cleveland tonight, Sacramento on Friday, which is an in-season tournament game. And I don't know if De'Aaron Fox is going to be back. The, the Kings have been really weird about his injury. Yeah, they dropped two straight to Houston, and they got, like, destroyed in both games. Yeah, like, bad, bad. So if Fox isn't back by then, which I, I would be a little surprised if he was, just the, the nature of the ankle injury that he has, but we'll see. It's possible that he's back by then. Uh, Phoenix on Sunday, which Beal should be back. Like, that should be a an interesting one. Also, they're not the best rebounding team either. So the Thunder should and like defensively. Yeah, what is uh defensively in the middle? They what is stink. Nurk shooting at the rim? It, uh he's shooting is like some hilariously bad number. He let me see. It he is shoot, oh he's also shooting fifty percent at the rim. Yeah, that's he's shooting seventeen percent in the short mid range. He's almost three hundred pounds, six eleven. He he's just yeah. cooked, and he's been cooked, and like people have known that. It it speaks so poorly of DeAndre Ayton that they were like, you know what? We just kind of rather have a restart, and we'll take that guy. That's fine, you know. They're like yeah. closing games with Drew Eubanks, and God bless Drew Eubanks, but you should not be closing games with Drew Eubanks. Um, yeah, it's it's bizarre. So that that's an interesting one to me, how they match up against them because like, they I think they match up pretty favorably like unless yeah. those Suns players just get hot and just have a, a game where they combine for 120 points you know and I don't I don't know what Booker's status is by then will be interesting I know he's out tonight yeah I think so yeah. um yeah just to tie a bow on the on the giddy discussion I think the reason it feels different this season is because if you think back to last season we were more stressing out when he got off to the rough start, which, by the way, I was going looking at his game log. Mm-hmm. His rebounds totals in his first five games, 11, 12, very good, 2, 1, 1. Mm-hmm. So he had like some bad rebounding games there mm-hmm. as well. Um, but last year, it felt like we were freaking out be- because it was like, this is one of our guys. Like, he has to be yeah. good. Like, yeah, Josh yeah. needs to be good because we didn't know about J-Dub at that time. Chet mm-hmm. was obviously hurt. Kaysen mm-hmm. wasn't on the team. Mm-hmm. The conversation now seems to be shifted because... It's less about that, and it's more about Chet looks amazing. Like, why isn't Chet getting all these plays run for him? Mm-hmm. Like, we want to see more from Jada. We want to see more from Kaysen, and we're still running a lot of this through Giddy. Like, yeah. Giddy is still getting a lot of these opportunities. So I think where there's frustration, it's because of that, where people just want to see guys like Chet who, you know, Chet, I saw a list today. There's like eight players who are currently 50, 40, 90, and Chet and Kaysen are two of the guys on the list. Yeah. You know, it's hard not to see two guys come out of the gate as hot as they are and not be like, we have to see more of this because that's what we did last year with Isaiah Joe. You know, he comes out amazing and it's like they have to get him more time. Mm-hmm. And so I think fans feel that with both Kaysen and Chet and J-Dub to some extent. And that's where the frustration is with Giddy this season, whereas last year it was like, 
oh no, why why is Giddy not this? Like he has to be good. Mm-hmm. Like who who else is going to be good on this team other than Shea? So it's interesting. I I do think there will be a shift at some point. I mean, Chet is just too good. Yeah, he's too good. He's already the second best player on this team. He is so impactful yeah. when he is on the court. And even in a game against the Hawks, where I don't even think he shot the ball that well, he was awesome. Like he, he played such a huge role for them defensively. And I, th- I think he hit a three or something. The the great thing about that thinking basketball video is as we're talking about Chet and wanting to see him expand his game, one thing he does a really good job of pointing out is how many different things Chet has already done this season that are kind of amazing. Like how versatile he's already been. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like he's had those self-creation moments that we saw in Summer League. They're not happening as much as they happen in Summer League, but we're, we are getting them, and there's been some really impressive ones. And so you just wonder when is the shift going to happen with this team where – Chet starts playing the offensive role that it seems like he should be playing. Yeah. Because he's been incredible on that end. Yeah. And it feels like there's so much untapped there. Yeah. And Mark addressed that pregame. Um where he said he said it's just similar to J Dub at the beginning of last season, where they have like very a very specific plan for these guys and they want to like not overwhelm them to start the season. Yeah. And so they really want to he Mark calls it clearing hurdles, and he's like he's he's clearing every hurdle so far, like very easily. And he, and he used the same language with J Dub last year, where you know by mid season, J Dub was like amazing and taking so many different responsibilities, and they were putting him in all these different positions as the season you know wore on. And I think it'll be the same for both Kaysen and Chet that they will continue to kind of give them more responsibilities and put them in different spots. And I think. What's good about Giddy is like Giddy is going to be really good at getting those guys in the spots that they need to be, you know, once they kind of figure that out. And I think there's a feeling out period. Like this team is, hey man, this team is outrageously talented. Like they're, they're really, really good. And it just is going to take time for them to really figure out how to best put the team overall in position to win. And I, I agree with you. I think Chet, Chet is so good. He generated seven points off of his blocks. Yeah. Because he was blocking oh, I mean, two that, teammates. Him in transition is Dude, absurd. He's, he's a he's I a mean, monster. He's an. Absolute I mean that monster. that highlight with Kaysen was probably like the most amazing oh my gosh. transition play of the year so far. Um, just because it was so casual, it was so, the fact that he even attempted that, and then it was a perfect pass, a perfect behind the pack back pass. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just hard not to want to move forward because you know that if he was healthy last season we would be in a different spot right now yeah like he he would and i just want to know what that would look like like what does chet on this team look like after the team has you know got him through all these hurdles and where they finally like agree and want him to be whatever that is it's going to look totally different yeah i think he's like 2023 kevin garnett I think I think he is I said this on Monday with McKelly. I, I sincerely think that there's a chance that he's the best player on this team in like four years. Where it's like, yeah. Like he's the most like well rounded player on the team. He and the tandem of he and Shea is yeah. gonna be so scary because Shea is a top ten player in the league. And if you have that 
those two paired together. And then, and then you just think about other teams in the league. Like once you get beyond, if you if you really do have like top, let's say two top twenty players, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. For no, Chet definitely Chet. not. That, definitely not. You know that might be underselling it. If you have that, you know you look around the league at teams that have something like that and who their third player is. You know whether that's like the Lakers with Austin Reeves. Um, I. Who, who are some? I mean, Boston. I guess it would be like Porzingis or or Jalen Brown. Like, yeah. I feel like we already have the guys on our team who could be that third player. Yeah, mainly thinking no about J Dub. And now we're thinking about the fourth player. And now we're talking about like Giddy or Kaysen. And so I do think there's an element to this where it is going to all work out eventually. And we're just kind of in this weird transition phase mm-hmm. where Giddy has played an outsized role for his first couple seasons because he's needed to mm-hmm. and similar to Dort that his role is going to shift and change as someone like Chet takes on more and more responsibilities. Yeah. And so the version of Giddy that we see game one next year, is probably going to be a much different role than what we're seeing this year. Yeah. And we may be celebrating Giddy in the same way we're celebrating Dort this year where it's like, okay, this is the perfect role for Giddy. Maybe his three point shot has improved. You know, maybe he's the, the drives that he's taking, make a lot more sense and he's you know he's getting a good advantage on each of those i think that's where we're headed but yeah it it can be frustrating at times now just because you see chet and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) this is like we we may have nailed this he he is so absurd i mean he's so skilled defensively he's just an absolute monster offensively he's kind of good at everything and like the shooting is is the thing that is is really very interesting. That's why the tandem of he and Shea is going to be so lethal because the fact that you can't, because he can score around the rim and he can shoot it from three, they're eventually just going to be impossible to defend. And that's, you know, J-Dub I think is hadn't shot the ball particularly well. Um, and if Dort, like Dort's continued like good shooting from the corners, I think is going to be really essential if he's going to be a part of like that starting lineup. Um, you also know that like Kaysen's waiting in the wing too, who can really, I yeah. think, shoot the ball. Um, so yeah, I mean, they've done an amazing job. They have a potential lottery pick coming their way from the Rockets in this next draft. And, you know, it's not, not supposed to be the best draft, but, you know, I just, I think for a team that does the work, that puts in the work like the Thunder do, uh, they could go get somebody that could help this team. You know, I think I think we think about this team like they are now, just like kind of like moving into the future, and maybe that's what happens, but there are a lot of changes to come for this team as far as like what they're going to look like on the court, what they're going to look like personnel-wise, because they do have a ton of options moving forward with like, like high-level options especially with what they've done with these Clippers picks. It's like, man, like they're, they're going to have a lot of options on the table, whether that be select somebody in the lottery that could change the way your team looks or make a trade for somebody that you know that like, hey, X player would fit so well with what we're doing and would take us to that exact next level we need to get to. Um, be, it's crazy what, what they're going to be able to do. And the fact that you have Shea and Chet and J-Dub and Giddy and – Dort's been good. Kaysen's been really good. It's like, man, the level, the number of players that like you trust 
that like man i think that they can really play in the playoffs k rich and jay will put them on the list too it's like man like they already have a lot of those guys on their team right yeah. now and you know we don't know if guys like Oose or players like that i would put isaiah joe on the list too by the way um I was going to say, do you know who has the uh, best on-off numbers for the Thunder this year? Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe's been really good, too. He has been. I mean, those and those threes, I was actually going to mention, but that Hawks game, like if they don't have Isaiah Joe, I don't know if they win that game because those three threes he hit oh. in a row gave them the space they needed to like screw up in the, yes. the rest of the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. They needed that so bad. It's true. Uh, Kevin Knox signed with the Pistons. Pretty excited. Um, one thing I will say about the Pistons, mm-hmm. dude, if he could shoot, which I know is it may not happen, but Clark Thompson legitimately oh. would be the greatest like fifth player for this Thunder team because yeah. his rebound, he's been an incredible rebounder. He's, he's a so monster. Far. He's a monster. He's a and he has the defense and he has the passing. It's, he is such a Thunder player. I wonder if how interested they were in him and if they made any attempts to to move up and get him. Because, man, I get that he can't shoot. And yeah. when you're in a playoff situation, they'll make him take 14 threes in a game like they did to Dort once upon a time. But, gosh, everything else would fit with this team. Yeah, it would. I just, I just wonder how many more non-shooters that you can actually have on the team. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends who's in the lineup. I mean, if it's, uh, you know, Shea, J-Dub, Isaiah Joe, and Chet, like, yeah, you, you can get away with that. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, I just wonder, especially with a commitment to Giddy, like how many more guys that you can, like that, because Asar Thompson's going to play a massive role for like no matter where he's at, you know. Yeah. I think it's, he's, I mean, he's amazing. I think he's great. I just wonder with this team, like how many more non-shooters can you really take on? So, oh, Andrew, I was wrong. Uh, Isaiah Joe's not number one in on-off. Oh, that changed um, after the last game. Yeah, Shea moved ahead of him. Oh, nice. Too bad. Shea with Casey, like Casey's we haven't even number three now. We haven't even like mentioned Shea's name on this podcast hardly at all. Uh, he I know. Came, he came back and scored thirty, like the most quiet thirty points ever. Super quiet thirty. I yes. mean. Yeah, it was. Uh, he's still very good. Turns out, <laughs> still and, uh, very good. NBA and the three player. ball was working. Yeah, took, yeah. Took seven threes. Yeah, he was pretty cool. He had some some really sick moves in that game too. Uh, he's he's that, that one where uh, I think he was being guarded by Jalen Johnson on the baseline. Yes, and Jalen like reached a little bit to his left. Yeah, and Shea just immediately spun the other way and just took like a wide open, you know, like fadeaway <laughs> jumper. That was very cool. And then how about uh Giddy just like in and out dribble move drops bogey to his butt. Did you see that? I don't even remember that one. Giddy was just like bringing the ball up and he's like just did this like quick little move and like Bogdanovich just like falls down. That was great. Well, I think the best sequence was when Chet blocks it at one end giddy brings it up hits shay for a catch and shoot three yeah it was like wow that's perfect yeah. everything is perfect there it is yeah uh also chris tucker was at the game and was like yes 
really feeling himself in the game. He like stood up at one point during a timeout and just like started like pumping the crowd up just because like I'm Chris Tucker and like everybody was just very excited. Uh, he was throwing t-shirts out. Uh, I asked Mark about it post game. Mark has never looked at me so confused. I have the video clip right here. Are you a Chris Tucker fan? I mean, I don't know. I don't know who. Did you see Chris Tucker about. in the crowd tonight? You know Chris Tucker, the no. actor. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was here tonight. Yeah, he's here. I I didn't see him. You didn't throw. You didn't see him throwing t-shirts in the crowd. I didn't see him throwing t-shirts. Okay. No. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> More worried about the rebounding. Oh, Mark is just the greatest. More worried about the um, rebounding is such a great line after me asking him about Chris Tucker. <laughs> It was such a bizarre. What, what did night. you think he was going to say? Do you think you would unearth that he was like as big a Chris Tucker fan as he is a, a, uh, a Springsteen fan? <laughs> no, not at all. I thought it would. I thought it would be really. I thought it would uh, end up with a really like weird feeling after I asked him it, <laughs> which is kind of why I asked him. Just because Mark is so quick on his feet and it's like he's genuinely a funny person, and so I. It was that that was the very last question of the presser too, and like pretty much everything that you would want to be asked had already been asked, and it was like, all right, we got time for one more, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna ask him about Chris Tucker, and he it delivered. He was so good. He was at first so confused, like, oh my gosh, wh- who is this? Why is this? Is is he like asking me about like the? two-way player on the Hawks or something that I don't know. <laughs> I, bet, I bet we get some celebrities uh, for the game next Tuesday. Hey, Ch- yeah, Chet Wimby, there better be some kind of celebrity. Um, there better be a celebrity sitting courtside uh, above Chris Tucker level. Chris Tucker, I guess, is performing in town. And also Trey Young's dad is apparently good friends with, with him and oh, invited really? him to the game. So that's... Something that happened. Didn't so, Lil Wayne come to a Thunder game once upon a time? I think Lil Wayne did, like back in the day. Yes. Yeah, back um, in the day. It's funny, like how little we see celebrities here. <laughs> like, what a big deal it is. Like, if Chris <laughs> Tucker went to like a Lakers game, like no one would ever talk about it. <laughs> not even, not yeah, even that's mention true. it. That should be a selling point for the Thunder to bring more celebrities courtside. Yeah. Because we will we will shower you with love no That's matter right. who you are. Yeah. We don't care. You could be a C-list celebrity and be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, all right. Down to Dunk Night next week. Slob Wizard shirts available now. Go get them. Go to the Down to Dunk Twitter account. And uh, I believe the, uh, the tweet for the shirt is pinned to the top of our profile. So get yourself a Slob Wizard shirt. And be sure to show up to Down to Dunk Night. It's going to be so much fun. Chet and Wimby on Down to Dunk Night. I can't even believe it. It's going to be so good. And Alex is going to be there. Even better. Even better. Uh, All right. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.